Good morning once again. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And 1 Thessalonians is a New Testament letter from Paul to the church in Thessalonica, which is in modern-day Greece. And this letter was probably written around the year 50. So it is considered the oldest part of the New Testament, the very first letter of St. Paul, written down before the Gospels were written down. This is the oldest um, portion of the New Testament, and we get to hear it today. So listen for God's word to you, ever ancient, ever new. May it be fresh as you hear it. Listen. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in, all, in our prayers constantly, remembering before God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction just as you know what kind of persons we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution you received the word with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that, you have no, so that we have no need to speak about it. For they report about us what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again. It is great to be with you all and see you here today. I want to say hi to those watching on Facebook Live and YouTube, those listening to this on a sermon podcast later this week. I know it's a holiday weekend, um, but it is great to be with you, and thank you uh, for being here in person for those of you who are here. I heard that last Sunday was a very full day here in church, here at PCLG. Not only was it Scout Sunday, but there was also a commissioning of our high school Mexico mission team, so a lot happening in the front and our very own church member, Chris McGugan, was our preacher standing right here and preaching the sermon for the day. And I was thinking about these themes, youth, mission, members using their gifts and talents to bless others. And these are some of the great aspects of our church, of our life together in Christ. So I'm thankful for having been away, but I'm also really glad to be back with you. I've been back 36 hours, so my... Spirit has not caught up with my body yet or something, uh, but I'll get there. I was not here with you last week in, in worship at PCLG, but I was at church along with my mission traveling companions, Ron and Marion Dickel, who are right there. Ron and Marion, will you stand up so we can see you? All right, there they are. Yes. Um, I was with Ron and Marion along with uh, Maria Keogh, and we went to St. Paul's Anglican Church in Alawa, Uganda. And this is the home congregation of our sister, Mary Akiu, who many of you know. Um, the service started at 9 a.m., but we arrived at 11 a.m., and it was still going strong. 
I kind of want to take that tradition back here, you know? I stay at home in my jammies for like two hours, and you guys stay here. No. Um, while we were there, this is the, this is the church congregation, um, I had a chance to share a short sermon with, the, with them through a translator, and I told the story of the hundred sheep where one gets lost. And we hear about a shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes off searching and finding the one who's been lost. And it's a story about God's love. It's a story we can all relate to, not only here in our lives, but also across the world, across the globe, in a rural village in Uganda. So I want to take you this morning on a quick travelogue. My sermon today is something of an extended um, slideshow, and I know you like that. Um, and we're going to do a full mission program um, later in March. The information's in the bulletin, and we'll tell you all about it. But that'll be a chance for Ron and Marion also to share more, and we have more videos and pictures and stories. So this is a snippet uh, just after getting off the plane to give you a sense of where I've been, to reflect with you on the scripture for the day, and uh, to, to ask God to show us uh, something we need to hear for our lives. So I have some pictures. Do you want to see them? Okay, okay. So over the past um, almost couple weeks, I traveled to the continent of Africa, and um, you, know what, you know the continent there, and we were in East Africa, which is um, right there. You see on the map, you see where uh, Uganda is, next to Kenya, just south of South Sudan. That's the region, that's the area where we were traveling. And I got there and met up with Ron and Mary and Dickel, and with Mary Akio and her cousin Deo, who was our driver. We were also with Gabriel Nyok. Who's a, and these are members of our church, if you don't know them so far. Gabriel and Mary are both PCLG members, and they are both in that, living in that part of the world right now. So we crammed into a vehicle, and uh, we drove north into northern Uganda to a city called Gulu, which is um, just sort of south of the South Sudan border. We went to visit Gulu Primary School, which is um, a school where we help. We have a whole bunch of South Sudanese refugee kids on scholarships so they can go to school. And so we visited classrooms, we met with students in an outdoor program, we talked with teachers. Um, Marion here is a, is, a, is a retired now teacher and principal from school, so she got to talk with the kids as well. We, after visiting this primary school, we visited a secondary school called Gulu Central, and we met with students there as well. And in all of those places, we basically brought greetings from all of you to these students, to these kids, whose lives are very different from ours, and yet we're in, we're in connection with them, we're in relationship with them through this um, Helping Hands for South Sudan program. There's something um, very deeply human about hearing from somebody that you matter. There's something in us, kind of our human nature, that loves to be loved, that wants to be known that desires to be seen by another, even someone from a different place or a way of life. It rises up and thrills when somebody tells us they care about us. And that was basically our message, that we care about these students, that we pray for them, that they matter. So one day we went to visit a refugee camp in northern Uganda, and most of the people living there are South Sudanese. They had fled down across the border, um, fleeing violence in their own country, and they now lived in this refugee camp in so, sort of a half-life. You know, they can't move forward because you can't totally make a new life when you're living in a refugee camp, that you don't have good opportunities, but you also can't go back because you're not sure if it'll be any better in the place where you came from. 
So we had a community meeting here under the a grove of shady trees, and everybody came out, men, women, little children, elders, uh, teenagers who weren't sure they wanted to be there hanging around the edges. In some ways, teenagers are the same across uh, different uh, settings. We sat and listened to all kinds of speeches where uh, testimonies, people thanking us for helping them, people asking us for more, mothers telling about why education was so important for their children. One policy that I try to follow when traveling in these kinds of places is not to promise to do anything that I don't know that I'm going to do. It's easy to want to solve every problem immediately and say yes to every question. But I, instead of that, um, the truth is more complicated. Uh, so a big part of our mission uh, together was a ministry of presence. It was showing up, showing care, giving attention, showing respect. I think that translates across cultures. I wonder what it was like for people in Thessalonica back in the first century to receive a letter from Paul, you know, and Silvanus, which is another name for Silas, his traveling companion, and Timothy. These were early church uh, Christian leaders. They were important, they were connected, and the church there thought of them as VIPs, very important Presbyterians. No, that's not, that's not correct. It's a gloss. It's a, okay, uh, very important people. So for Paul and his friends to write a letter and send it to that community to tell them they cared for them, that they were praying for them, that they would like to see them again, this made a difference. It encouraged their hearts. It bolstered their faith. The church in Thessalonica was made up of non-Christians, not, or non-Jewish Christians. So they were Greeks and other kinds of pagans, to use the language of the day. And they had work to do there. Their lives were far from set. But the truth was, nobody could fix it all for them. Not St. Paul. He wasn't their savior. He didn't live in their town. His life and world were actually far from theirs. And yet, and yet, that early Christian community in Thessalonica, they were connected with Paul. They were connected with other believers through their faith, through their hope, through their love. So they could share in the goodness of God's mercy and grace together, even though they lived far apart. And that sounds familiar to us when we think about people living in other parts of the world and the connections we have through our shared faith, hope, and love. A trip like this, uh, for me, is a chance to come closer, to listen to their stories, to show love, and just to get close with their lives. In the end, we, we entrust their lives to God, knowing that God is the one at work in their midst. So after we visited this uh, refugee camp, we drove uh, out to eastern Uganda, where we visited Mary Akio's home village called Alawa. This is a very rural, very agrarian setting. It's a place where the Alawa Foundation is located. Oh, there I am, taking a run. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, go back one picture here, Devin. Okay, this is a morning run. Um, early in the morning, while it is still dark, you can hear noise outside, and you can say, I can't sleep anymore, especially if you're jet-lagged. So I would get up early and go running around, and this is just what I was doing. All right, so we went to Alawa, which is this rural village, and um, the Alawa Foundation is there. And so this is a foundation, Mary's family foundation, kind of her family's mission that we're a part of, which um, provides a, a library and a study space for students who are studying for their uh, O-levels and A-levels, which is their system in school. Uh, there's a computer lab 
which is run on solar panels. They have a new vocational training center that's hosted there, which includes these um, sewing machines, you know, foot pedal sewing machines. And our church, PCLG, has been one of the major financial backers for all of these projects in her village. They currently offer two kinds of training in this vocational school. It's techno in technology, kind of computing, computers, and in sewing. So both of these offer students a chance to learn skills and find jobs that, um, that offer employment. We were the special guests at a graduation ceremony. This was the very first graduation of this vocational school that's just started there. And PCLG, our church, was mentioned many times. Um, as I told Martha Wills on the way in, she was named by name many times as a person who's a mission elder of our church, representing our interests with Alawa. And um, they were very thankful. Um, at one point, they gave, gave me a cow as a gift. And if you come to the mission presentation, I'll show you that cow. They gave me the rope in my hands, and the cow tried to get away. I got rope burns. Um, somebody told me not to be a cowboy. So, okay. Um, but if you want to know, this is what Jack was talking about, if you want to know that our church's mission money uh, is making an impact, I want to tell you that it is. We saw it in action. Um, this is a community that Mary, through Mary, our sister, which has been blessed and developed because of you. So we brought greetings to people there, and they showered us with their love. This graduation was... Um, was held in the, at, at the foundation, and then we went walking out to visit the home. This is, uh, if you go back, this is Deo, uh, Mary's cousin, at his house, and he lives in this, this is his house right there. We sat out and had tea and as, the, as kids cried and chickens walked around, things like that. So after a really long day, we had this whole long day with this graduation, uh, we decided that we would drive overnight to get back to the city. So we left at 8 p.m., in the dark. And there's Ron uh, helping to change a tire before, on the, before we got on the road. And that's a rough ride, I have to say. Um, so we arrived back in kind of the middle of the night. And the next day, the next morning, I said goodbye to Ron and Marion, who uh, had had an extended time in Uganda. And uh, I flew with Gabriel Nyok um, from Entebbe, Uganda, to Juba, South Sudan. Um, anybody been to South Sudan? That was my first time. Um, it is a, a much less developed country than Uganda, which is saying something. Uh, it's a country that has um, kind of a, a hard history. It's the youngest nation in the world. It became a, its own country in 2011 uh, through a lot of help from the United States. And that was after about 30 years of conflict and civil war. And then within two years, so in 2013, they fell back into civil war, now amongst themselves. So it has this huge history of violence, of tribal conflict, famine, hunger, corruption, kleptocratic leaders. These are some of the reasons that so many South Sudanese have fled their country and become refugees. They've, they're in Uganda, and some have come to the United States. Gabriel Nyok, our brother here, is one of those lost boys of South Sudan who ended up here in our town. So we went around to visit some of the schools where we have students um, studying on scholarships. The first one is called Juba Integrated Primary School, and here it is. Um, this is part of, the, uh, part of the mission here is that they want to have an integrated school between the Dinka and the Nuer, which are the two biggest tribes. This is a school where both groups can study together. And um, the kids wear these uniforms, and it's a, it's a nice school. It's a good, it's a good place. Um, kids are very cute and very excited to have a visitor. Um, I don't think they did much learning that day. Okay. 
After that, we went out to see the secondary school that our church helped to build this year. We've been talking about it quite a, quite a bit over the last year. This is a new school that is just getting started. So they were registering students for classes here. Um, and let me see what kind of pictures we have here. Got any more, Dick? There, Devin? There you go. There's Gabriel and me. The school is really well built. Um, it's a very nice school. The grounds around it still look like a construction site, so it's kind of rough. It's not fully ready for students yet, I wouldn't say, but it's getting close. Um, they have um, some cleanup work to do in preparation. The next day, we drove from the capital of Juba, in Juba out to uh, the, the next state, which is called Jongalay State, and the, the town there is called Bor, B-O-R, Bor. And this is a place where there were historic floods in the last year. We, we, you might have heard about those or remember that, uh, that that happened. And through our church mission committee, we sent funds directly with Gabriel to help this community uh, in Bor after those floods. And uh, I saw the place where it was flooded. And I saw the church, which is on high enough ground that it was the one place they could gather. And I saw the roadside where the truck arrived with the food that you had sent. And people told me how they unloaded the food from the truck. And they knew it was from this church. So we had a community meeting, and we were greeted as we arrived by dozens and dozens of, dance, of women dancing in, in, in costumes. Uh, this is women walking on the road with cows, but uh, there were women with uh, uh, kind of dancing us into the, into the place. And let me see what we got here. Any more pictures in this area? We were greeted with all oh, those ladies in the blue behind there, um, where people, again, told stories and testimonies and thanked us and asked for more things. And I tried not to say yes to everything that we weren't going to say yes to, but I tried to listen to what the needs would be. After that, we got to go back to Juba, where we um, got to see Gabriel's wife, Rhoda, and there she is. Can I go back one? There's Gabriel's wife, Rhoda. We've been praying for her. A lot of you know she had malaria. She was in the hospital. She still seems rather uh, weak and sickly to me. Um, she didn't seem strong. Um, but this is in their home. They have kind of a family compound. Gabriel and his family, who live there with their five kids, also took in six or seven refugee kids into their house who live in the house with them because they had nowhere else to stay. Every time we give Gabriel any money of any kind, he seems to try and help somebody else with it. So we got to see, there's Mary sitting there along with, the, with Gabriel and his kids. Remember, these are five kids who uh, were all baptized here at PCLG. And you all took those same promises to help them grow up in their faith together. And now we're doing that at a distance as they move back to Uganda, living in East Africa. The kids are doing great. The two older boys are in school, and we went to their school and visited them, and uh, they came running up and gave hugs and high fives and um, sending greetings. Before I left here, Lauren Froman, our children's ministries director, gave me a packet of letters and cards from the children of our church to give to these children, and I delivered those uh, to Rhoda. And these were written by PCLG kids just greeting uh, other kids who they've known in Sunday school uh, through the years. And they send greetings back to us, um, and they, they just wanted to let you know that they are thankful, that they are looking forward to seeing you. Gabriel actually um, flew back the same day I did, so he's in San Jose this morning. And he's at another church presenting and trying to raise more funds to send more kids to schools. So we're going to see him around uh, in the next month. Gabriel's uh, back here. Yeah. 
So we were blessed. I was blessed in, the, in these visits, um, and, and my traveling partners, Ron and Marion, uh, we received so much when we were there. You know, St. Paul is talking about being, uh, in this passage we read, about being chosen by God. And this chosenness, this sort of special relationship we have with God through Christ, it doesn't mean that we necessarily have all the right words or that we necessarily know the right creeds to say, even though what we say and what we believe is important. Paul is saying that the message of the gospel is transmitted, shared, shown, not just through words, but with our way of life, our deeds, the things we do for others. That's the way that the gospel is shared in so many cases. Later in the, um, the New Testament, the book of James, uh, it says this, What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And we're always in that tension point where we want to let our faith influence our lives. We want to have action that comes out of the faith that we claim. Martin Luther famously did not like this passage. He's the, ref, he's the reformer, right? He was all about uh, salvation by faith through grace. None of this works. And yet, in the continent of Africa, this passage from James is one of the most popular, most famous, because it means that we always have to put our faith into action and let it show up in some ways. So this trip was a reminder to me of the ways that our faith, our deeply held sense of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, how this faith leads us into action in the world. And the best way we could do it, I'm going to tell you, the best way we can do that is together. None of us can do it all on our own. I certainly can't. Even our church, we can't do it on our own. We're connected with others. Step by step, we are led in the ways we're called uh, to serve and love the world around us. Before leaving Uganda's capital, I visited a site, which is like this uh, Catholic, um, there it is, it's a cathedral kind of a site, and it's built, this is a giant building, it can seat a thousand people inside. It's built on the site where um, the original Christian those who were, who were converted to Christianity by the missionaries were martyred by their king, killed for their faith. And it's built, the, the, inside the altar, the very, this like chancel is on the exact site where the people were killed for, for defending their faith. And we went inside and the Catholic priest came out with his water, his holy water, and he spritzed us, just like we do on Easter Sunday. And I got a taste of my own medicine. And we were kneeling there in this, in this church and we heard the story of the martyrs. And outside, you can see, there's, this, there's these grounds. And every year on the anniversary of this, uh, this is sort of a, it's called Martyr's Day. It's a national holiday in Uganda. Um, a million people, one million people come to Mass here. Three different popes, Catholic popes, have visited this site. People walk from Nairobi, Kenya, and make a pilgrimage to arrive at this site in time for this. There's a separate site, a second twin site, which is the Anglican Church, and they have the exact same kind of thing because about half of those martyred and killed were Catholic, about half of those martyred and killed were Anglican. The day we visited here was the anniversary of the day that the former Ugandan dictator, Idi Amin, had murdered the Archbishop of Uganda, assassinated him. 
So there's this history uh, that's underneath people's lives here. But what I notice about the lives that people live in that part of the world is that they let their faith be infused into every part of their life. They don't let the horrors and hurts and harms of this world have the last word. There are people who trust God deeply and seek to live it out. Before leaving Uganda and flying home, I also got to visit with, with Mary Akio's family, her extended family in Kampala. She seems to have family everywhere. <laughs> we went from house to house and walked through people's orchards and saw their building projects and um, ate a lot of fruit and things. Um, this is a family home where we visited and we had family prayers together and singing. And this, this man in the picture is a, a Cameroonian priest who lives with the family while he studies. And he led us in song. I led us in prayer. He led the benediction. We blessed each other. We prayed for each other. We thanked God for each other. We also thank God for you, for this church and the growing ties we have with people who are far away through our personal connections with Mary and Gabriel, through the work of our mission committee, through the ways that you have encouraged me in my own mission travels and making connections on behalf of our church. This was a trip that was packed with so many of the good things of God. And so for today, I want to just return to you the greetings of our brothers and sisters in faith in other parts of the world. The good news is spread by word and by deed and really by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we get to be part of that together, which I think is really good news. Amen? Thank you for listening. God bless you today.